Cedric, it's Bruce from your old wireless company. Would you switch from U.S. Cellular back to us? We gave you this new Wonderphone. It does everything. Does it make calls? No, but it can perform CPR, babysit your kids. It's got a pickup line generator. Um, it's got a virtual dog whistle. But does it get good reception where I need it? No, but it tells you if any of your family members are birds. So there you go. Who would like the new Wonderphone? Any takers? It's an amazing, amazing device. Hey, we, we, we are so glad that you are here. want to extend a special welcome to any uh, visitors that are here joining us for the first time, or if you're from another one of Hope's campuses, welcome to one of our different living rooms around the city of Des Moines. We're glad you're here, your family, uh, when you're here, when you're with us. We are so glad that you're here. We want you to be connected to each other, and we want you to be connected to Jesus. That phone that you just heard about has one big issue. Did you catch it? It doesn't make phone calls, right? It doesn't connect you. Can you imagine having a wonder phone or a smartphone and it doesn't do the one thing that you really need a phone to do and that's to connect you to other people, to be connected to the world. Smartphones are great when they do what they're supposed to do. They help us communicate. They help us connect. You've probably been there when you've been driving out in this great state of Iowa and you're on your phone and you may be driving out of Des Moines or something and you're driving out into the country and at some point... You lose coverage, right? You lose the connection. So you're having a nice conversation with somebody, and all of a sudden you start. It's so frustrating, right? You catch about one out of every five words, and I, oh, I got to call you back, right? They're great when they work, but when they don't work, it's not so fun. You lose that connection, and, and, and it's not nearly as serious, though, as when you have a lack of connection with the God that created you. I want to draw that parallel for you this morning because I was thinking about it. If I have an issue with my phone, I had an issue with my, uh, my camera. This is like first world problems, right? My pictures aren't showing up the way I want them to. My life is horrible. Um, if there's something wrong with my phone, if there's something wrong with your phone, what are you going to do? Wait a week and then take it in? No, it's like we rely on these things so much. I'm going to the store right away, right? If something's lacking or missing in your connection with God, oh, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it someday, right? And we kind of just put that on the back burner. And I want to just ask you that question as we start out this morning. As you walked in here this morning, and we're just kind of taking an inventory of where you're at, how's your relationship with God these days? How's your connection with him? I know you're here, and that's great, and that's awesome. How's your relationship with God? You, personally, how's your connection with him? Do you talk with unlimited interruption or interference? If, if your relationship with God was those bars, you know, like the bars on the corner of your phone, right? And if you have really good signal, you have four bars or three. How's your relationship with God? Is it awesome? Is it four bars? Is the signal strong? Or is it three or two or one or not existent? If there was something lacking in your relationship with God, would you do something about that? And here's the thing that we know for sure, regardless of how you answer that question about your connection with God, there's one thing we know for sure. The issue with the signal strength is not on his end, amen? It's not on his end, and there's two reasons I know that. Number one, God is here. God promises in scripture that where two or more are gathered in his name, there I am as well, Jesus says. So he's here, like he's right here this morning. It's like his hand is on your shoulder. That's how close he is to you this morning. God's right here, and, and for those of us that are in Christ, that have put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, it's what we sang about this morning, that the same power 
that rolled the stone away, that rose Jesus from the grave, lives in you. Jesus is closer to you this morning than your own skin. And he knows you better than you know yourself. So the issue of the connection that's lost or missing in your life is not on his end. God's always speaking. The question is, are you listening? God's trying to get your attention every single day, not just on Sundays, but every single day. The question is, are we listening? Another way of asking that is, are you experiencing God? Are you experiencing God on a daily basis? Do you have a growing hunger to read his word, or is it still kind of, I have to or I should? Do you hear God's voice on a regular basis? Do you see worship as a get-to or a got-to? Do you wake up and go, oh, I have to go to church? Or is it I get to go to church? Is, is serving for you an obligation or is it a joy? Are you giving and you are serving out of a genuine joy? Or is it, you know, I've been missing church for a while and I should probably go serve. With that attitude, no. Jesus says, I want you to give and I want you to serve generously and cheerfully out of a cheerful heart. Is Jesus a a part of the daily decisions that you make every single day? Not just the big, huge ones, but just the daily. Do you talk to him on a regular basis? How is your connection with Jesus? The reason I ask is because every once in a while, it's good for us to have a checkup, a spiritual checkup. You go to the doctor from time to time, I hope you do, to get a physical, to get a checkup, to see how you're doing, to kind of look under the hood of your car once in a while. How are we doing underneath there? Do you do that with your faith on a regular basis? It's important that we do that at the changing of the season. We're moving into a new season of the summer, and, and kind of last week was sort of the official beginning of summer with Memorial Day. And for a lot of churches, summer is kind of a time to take a break. I don't know what summer means for you. For me, summer growing up when I was young meant that I would sleep. I think I literally slept into like 11 or like 11.30. No, wait, 9.58 because the Price is Right started at 10. That's why I got up. I had to get up early at 9.58 uh, to catch the prices right, um, and then I'd eat way too many of those freezy pops uh, throughout the day, you know, go out and play and get muddy. It was awesome. That was summer for me. Maybe summer for you is a time where you're going to uh, kind of change your pace and your schedule. The kids are out of school. You're going to go on some vacations. You're going to get some, some work done around the house. Traditionally, in the church, I don't know what church you grew up in or what the background is or denomination, a lot of churches say, Well, let's just shut it down for the summer. I I don't know what your experience was, but they just kind of, well, we're going to cut services because nobody's showing up. And by the way, praise God for you. Almost a full house here today in the middle of the summer. Praise God for that. That's awesome. Um, You know, we're just going to shut down the kids' programs. We're not going to do Sunday school. We're not going to, we're just going to give you a break from small groups because, you know, we don't really need relationships during the summer. And you don't really have to come to church because we're not that really excited and we'll get back with God in the fall. Like, we've never understood that at Hope. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Because God never stops changing lives. The Holy Spirit doesn't take June, July, and August off, right? So why should we, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to hear me loud and clear. We want you to rest. We want you to go on vacation. We want you to slow down. That's good and that's healthy. But what so often it happens is we kind of let the lazy nature and attitude towards summer kind of creep into our spiritual lives as well, and that can be really dangerous. Nowhere in Scripture we call to take a break from God. It doesn't say, thou shalt take the summer off, because God's just putting his feet up and chilling for a while. 
He'll change your life in September, right? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And would you go a week without food or water? You wouldn't think of it. Jesus even says in John chapter 15, listen to this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, oh, Jesus, I'll, I'll check in with you when I need you. I'll pull you off the shelf when I need you. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that goes for the summer as well. I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at this up on the screen. He's writing to encourage the church. Uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews in his last sermon before the summer was encouraging his church not to take the summer off here. Let's, let's give it a read. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't be the sum. That's my challenge to you this summer. Don't be the sum. <laughs> Don't be the sum. Be the kind of people that have this expectation that God is going to be here every week, and as a matter of fact, every moment of your life, he's right there, just as present as he is here on Sunday morning. I'm so thankful that you are a faithful church and, and you see it that way, that worship is a get-to, not a got-to. But God doesn't take the summer off for changing lives, and we want you to be here. It's going to be an amazing summer, and we don't want you to miss out. So if that sounds good, say, sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. The second reason I want to ask you about your connection with God today is because in our scripture for today, and really all throughout the Gospels, we've been going through this series called Revolution, and we're reading through the Gospels this year at Hope. And we've been in the Gospel of Mark. And there's this theme that starts to emerge that I just saw this week, that everybody that's around Jesus is desperate for him. The people that have opened themselves up to him, there's this desperation to get to Jesus. It's not an option whether I'm going to connect with Jesus or not. Connecting with Jesus, experiencing Jesus, is the most important thing in their lives. And that's what we're going to dig in today and see what does that look like for us. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. If it's on your phone, that's great. There's a lot of Bible apps. I encourage you to grab one of those uh, on your phone as well. Check it as often as Facebook. It's just as exciting. I guarantee it. Uh, so if you're going to tweet, tweet about the sermon. I would appreciate that. So um, Mark chapter 7, if you're new to the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. So Mark's right after Matthew. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. So Mark chapter 7, we're going to be in verse 32. And when you're there, say, I'm there. So we're reading through this, and, and Jesus has been preaching and teaching and healing, preaching and healing, preaching and healing, back and forth. And so news around him is starting to spread. He's gaining popularity. And so we pick it up in verse 32. We read, There are some people brought to him, to Jesus, a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. I just want to stop right there because this is easy to overlook. This man did not come to Jesus on his own. He couldn't. Like, Jesus is constantly surrounded by crowds wherever he's going. If he's mute, he can't call out effectively. He can't cry out to Jesus. If he's deaf, he can't hear. He can't hear what everyone was saying. But here's what we do know. First thing we discover, for this guy's friends, Jesus was their go-to. They're like, we have to get to Jesus. 
They knew that Jesus could heal, and so they did whatever it took to get their friend connected to Jesus. And my question is, are you doing that? Are you bringing people to Jesus? Here every week, and hear me say this, I want to clarify this. I really, really hope that you're not bringing people to see a building. Like I say this all the time, invite, invite, invite your friends and family to worship. Are you bringing them to see a building? I really hope, trust me, I really hope you're not bringing them to hear a band. I really hope that you're not bringing your friends. I really hope you're not bringing your friends and inviting people to come hear a preacher. I really hope you're bringing your friends to encounter Jesus. Because he's the only one that can change lives. That's where the action is. That's where the party is. you got to come to Hope Des Moines because Jesus is changing lives among us. That's the invitation. Yeah, the preacher, he's okay. He's kind of boring sometimes. But just come because Jesus is here. That's the invitation. That's what I hope you're inviting people to. If you really love people, you're going to get them the help they need. And the most loving thing you can do for people is get them connected with Jesus. And I pray that's the case for you. And the one thing that I love about the people in all these stories is their tenacity to get connected with Jesus. Remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Andy talked about this story where these guys were so desperate to get to Jesus, they cut a hole in the roof of the house where he was staying. Like, I hope he had homeowner's insurance, because this is terrible, right? But Jesus doesn't scold them. In fact, throughout the Gospels, Jesus actually lifts up and rewards the faith of people that have tenacity to get to him. And somewhere along the line as followers of Jesus, we lose that. I'm just going to kind of show up to worship and kind of go through the most. Do you want to get connected with Jesus more than any? Is that the most important thing you could probably do today, this week, this month, this year? Where did that tenacity go? Here's the thing. We never give up on people because Jesus never gives up on people. It's a tenacity that he has to change people's lives. The second thing that makes this story so powerful in Mark chapter 7 is the background of this man. So take, take a second chance, uh, an observation here. And what I want to do is I want to draw up a couple parallels for you. And one is every single one of us has a story before and after Jesus. We could chart your life up here too and say, before I met Jesus, this is what my life was like. After I met Jesus, this is what my life was like as well. So case in point, this deaf and mute man in Mark chapter 7. We read that he was deaf. Everybody say deaf. We read that he was mute. Everybody say mute. So he's got a rough life. Not, not much going for him as well. We can assume that he'd either been born this way or had been this way for most of his life. And I just want you to stop and just imagine with me a second. What would it be like to not hear? I mean, I mean, some of you I know have family members that have struggled with it, and you, maybe you do, and this is a sensitive issue, and I get that. But I just want you to imagine, say you have kids, what would it be like to have never heard the laughter of your children? Do you like music? <laughs> What's your favorite song? What's your favorite kind of music? You've never experienced, oh, oh wait, you don't know what music is. Can you imagine that? The music is just an idea, the, the sounds, and you can't hear people talking. 
It's a tragedy. If this wasn't bad enough, if you're disabled in Jesus' day, you've been most likely kicked to the curb. You're an outcast in society. And especially for this man, if you've had some sort of like sickness or disease, you are labeled not pure, unpure, unclean. You are judged. You are labeled. You are untouchable. Nobody's going to touch you. So if nobody's going to touch you, you don't have any friends. You are outcasts from society. You are not connected. So not only is this man deaf and mute, he is utterly alone. Everybody say alone. And if you are alone and if you're uh, not connected from the world, your life's not going anywhere. He's not going to get a job. His family probably kicked him out. He doesn't have a lot going for him in his life. He's probably stuck. Everybody say stuck. (laughs) And last but not least, connected to Jesus? It's the last thing on this guy's mind. I'm sure he did, and maybe some of you at certain points in your life have just kind of said, you know what, this is my lot in life. God caring about me, being in a relationship with me every single day, yeah, right. Four bars, three bars, two bars, no signal for the deaf and mute man. Completely disconnected from Jesus. Deaf, mute, alone, stuck, disconnected. I'm sure this man is sitting there going, I'm sure that God gave up on me a long time ago. Until that one day when God shows up. Let's take a look at verse 33. Jesus shows up and we read, after he, Jesus, took him aside away from the crowd. Just listen to this. This is awesome. Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Jesus never heals the same person twice, but the same way twice, by the way. Verse 34, he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh, said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Before Jesus, deaf and mute. After Jesus, hearing, speaking. Nobody encounters Jesus and stays the same. Now, some of you are reading passages like this, or if you don't read the Bible very often, you just kind of heard of some of these stories, you're thinking, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. Jesus heals some dude. Let's move on. This isn't just one more story, and you probably think, oh, you know, that was a nice, cute Bible story. That's what used to happen, but we all know that Jesus doesn't really do that anymore. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We believe that God works in a lot of different ways, that God can work through doctors and technology, and sometimes Jesus just heals. And we don't always have the answer for why, this side of heaven. But we know that God works in a lot of different ways, and through doctors and medical advancements and technology, there are implants. There are things that you can put in people's ears to make them hear, all the way from the very young to the very old. And I want you to watch this next series of videos. These are real, actual people that were deaf, and many of them mute, and through healing have been restored and can hear. And I want you to look at the looks of their faces and think about putting yourself in the shoes of the man with Jesus that day. Let's take a look. The looks on their faces pretty much tell the story. 
kind of puts our problems in perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Can you imagine? They're never going to be the same. And sometimes God uses doctors and sometimes he just heals, but there's no doubt that for them and for the man in our story today, the connection is back. The connection is back. Like you look at that and doesn't something inside of you go, that's the way it was supposed to be. Moms were supposed to be able to hear their kids say, hi, mommy. That's the way it was supposed to be. And you being connected to God in a relationship through Jesus Christ is the way things were meant to be. You were meant to be connected with him. And so don't miss this. Whenever people in the Gospels get connected with Jesus, they not only sometimes get healed physically, but Jesus starts to heal all these other deep places of their life that are below the surface level. Jesus wants to heal some of you physically this morning, but he also wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to heal the unforgiveness that's in your heart, the bitterness or the anger that you have towards somebody in a relationship. Jesus wants to heal your past. He wants to heal your wounds and your baggage from the past. Jesus wants to heal in a lot of different ways, and he brings life to people in a lot of different ways, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Look back at verse 33. Watch how Jesus does this. After he took him aside away from the crowd. So it's a loud, boisterous group of people. And of all the ways that Jesus could have healed this guy, he could have just stood at a distance, right? Because remember, this guy's gross. He's sick. He's probably unclean, right? Jesus could have stayed at a distance and said, be healed here now or something like that because that's how Jesus talked, right? <laughs> Jesus pulls him away from the crowd. I want you to imagine for a second if Jesus just walked in here this morning, grabbed some donut holes and coffee and came in and then just like, not to embarrass you, but he just like pulled you right out of the crowd and took you. And you know, like parents, when you want to get your kids' attention, you kind of put your hands right here on their cheeks and you say, Caleb Lee Annenson, listen to me, right? If, you're, if you have your fingers in somebody's ears, that's like one of the most intimate connections you can have with somebody. Slightly awkward, but intimate. You're like looking them right in the face. Can you imagine if Jesus did that to you, like looking him right in the eyes? Jesus pulls him aside. And I've always wondered in this story, like, why did Jesus pull him aside? Why didn't he just do it like he did it before? And then I thought, if Jesus is healing this guy and opening up his ears, what's the first voice he's going to hear in his life? The voice of God. How many people can say the very first thing I heard in my life was the voice of God? That's how close Jesus wants to be with you. That's how intimate he wants. He wants to speak directly to you. And I think the other reason is that by doing it that way, he had the man's full attention. He wants your full attention this morning to look you right in the eyes. Because Jesus knew, yes, I'm going to heal him from being deaf and mute, but I also know that he's utterly alone. And if the God of the universe is staring you in the eyes, you are no longer unknown. You're not just known. You are intimately known. And when you're known by God, when you know whose you are, you know who you are. And that changes everything for this man. So dig a little deeper in this story, and Jesus starts healing all these other areas. No longer is he stuck because Jesus has given him a second chance in life. And so now he's not stuck. This guy has a purpose. He's been healed. Jesus has a plan for his life. Disconnected? (laughs) 
God just stuck his finger in your ears. I think you're connected to him, right? You're connected. This guy's life has been changed. What's your story? Like, before Jesus and after Jesus. Like, things can't stay the same, you know this. Being a Christian doesn't mean I went from being an okay person to try to be a better moral person. Being a Christian means I was dead and now I'm alive. I was in the darkness and now I'm in the light. Transformation. Things don't stay the same when you get connected to Jesus. Ask this guy. Ask the Samaritan woman. Ask the adulterous woman. Ask the blind man. Ask all these people that got connected with Jesus. They don't stay the same. Now they're known. Now he has a purpose, and the same is true for us. You've got to know when you read these stories, and I hope you're reading them on your own time at home throughout the week, and this is just icing on the cake. I hope when you're reading the stories that you see stories like this, not as exceptions, but as examples. Mark, the gospel writer Mark, is screaming, this can be you. This can be your story. This is what Jesus wants for you. This is not a cute Bible story. This can be your story. Jesus wants to connect with you today right where you're at. And I have a feeling that for some of you, you're alone. That's where you're at today. You walk in here sometimes during the week or on Sundays and you go, I don't really know anybody. And honestly, I've got a thousand friends on Facebook, but I don't know a soul. So disconnected. For some of you, you feel stuck. Just like this guy. This is the way my life is. This is my current experience with God, so I guess I could never experience anything differently. For some of you, you feel disconnected from God. That's where you're at. For some of you, I just have a feeling maybe you're just exhausted. And that's where you're at. You ever ask Jesus about these things? Like, is he your go-to? <laughs> like, for the friends of this guy, like, we got to get to Jesus no matter what. Like, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're facing, is your first reaction, oh, i got to figure this out myself. That's living as though there's not a God. We kind of function as practical atheists sometimes i got to figure this out myself. I, I guess I'll go ask my friends or I'll go see what the, the popular opinion of the day is. I'll go check Facebook and then if all else fails, I guess I'll pray about it. Or is that your first option? Like, i got a test coming up. I'm struggling in my marriage. i got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. i got to get a job. I need a new job. I need a new house. I need healing in this relationship. I feel alone. I feel exhausted and I need rest. Is prayer your first option? is the posture of your heart. I gotta get connected to Jesus no matter what. And hear me say this. Those that are immature in their faith, that are young in their faith, it kind of goes something like this. Oh man, I haven't read my Bible for a long time. I'm a terrible Christian. As you start to grow and mature, I think it's more like this. Man, I just really miss being with Jesus. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. I just, I just want to be with him. I just miss hanging out with him. Like an old friend that you can just pick up with and go. Like, I think that's what it means to be deep. It's not head knowledge. It's intimacy with Jesus. Do you talk to him? Do you hear from him on an everyday basis? For those of us that have been Christians for a long time, I'm speaking to us too because it's so easy as you go on in your life to kind of lose that connection after a while. 
I like to relate our relationship with God to human relationships to help us kind of understand it and break it down in simple terms for us. I was thinking about this a couple uh, months ago. I remember the day specifically. I knew that we, as a family, we'd had a really busy couple weeks, and it was going to be a really busy week ahead. And so my wife and I, we sat down, and we were talking through things. And while we were talking, I had this great idea that I'm going to be super romantic. And the next day, because I know we're not going to see each other physically a lot, I'm going to, like, call her throughout the day and say, hey, honey, thinking of you. And I had, like, a script written out of what I was going to say for all these phone calls. Ladies, guys, we have to do this, right? We're romantically challenged sometimes. And so I, I like, I'm going to text her and send her all these cute text messages. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And so she goes off uh, somewhere, and I go off, and I do my thing. And so, like, I don't know, 9 or 10 in the morning, it's time for the first check-in, right? I'm not stalking her. I just love her. Um, <laughs> some of you are like, you're weird. Uh, so I call her. I'm like so excited. I got my script out. I'm ready to like check in with her and be all romantic and lovey-dovey. Eh, 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 nobody there, right? Okay, I get it. Maybe she forgot to turn on. Okay, I get it. Great, okay. Oh, maybe an hour later, you know, late morning, I try again. Hi, this is Tiffany Annenson. Thanks for calling. Please ah, answer your phone, right? I just want to talk to you. I had this great plan. I feel so disconnected from you. And so then, okay, certainly around the lunch hour, I'll just call. Voicemail again. I'm starting to get a little worried. It's been about four or five hours. Like, are you okay, right? Okay, so I'm a little worried. Uh, later in the afternoon, early afternoon, call again, voicemail, an hour later, voicemail. I'm not a stalker, I promise. I just, I'm like worried. I'm just like checking in on her again and again. I'm like, pick up your phone. And finally, finally, we get home. I, and th this may sound a little strange, but I was freaking out in the late afternoon so much. I think I called her seven times in a row. I like texted her. She had 14 text messages from me. I emailed her at all of her accounts. I sent her multiple Facebook messages. I posted on her wall. I wrote her a personal message. I think I put out posters around town. Anybody seen missing pastor's wife? Um, I might have sent a blimp for her with a message in the sky, like ET, phone home, right? Like just call me, do something. So she gets home for dinner. That's the one time we're going to see each other today. She gets home, and I just look at her, and I go, honey, where have you been all day? And she goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I must have just left my phone in my car. What do you want for dinner? You have no idea what you've put me through, right? Answer your phone! But the story doesn't end there because she stays home with Caleb now. I'm the one that has a meeting and I go out. It's got a three and a half hour time, or time that I'm away. And it's kind of an important meeting, so what do I do? I put my phone on silent only three and a half hours later to come out of this meeting, get in my car, and find that I have 12 text messages, seven missed calls, Facebook alerts, seven emails. And so I saunter back into the house, into the front door, and I go, hey, honey. And all she needs to say now, we know each other enough, she just looks at me and goes, honey. And that's about all we needed to say. So we got in an argument, and then we laughed, and then we fought some more, and then we laughed some more. You really need grace in marriage, don't you? You need a lot of grace, and thankfully she has a lot of grace for me, and that was a very humbling experience. I think somewhere in that conversation we just looked at each other and said something to the effect of, you know, we just missed each other today. 
Like on all levels and all ways, we just missed each other in every way possible. And especially in marriage and in our human relationships, the danger is when those days start to stack up. Particularly in marriage, it's easy in a relationship to think that the pursuit ends once you're married. You do know that you need to keep dating them after you're married, right? I see couples that have been married, I I know this couple that's been married for 63 years, and they're more in love today than they were the day they got married. How does that happen? Connection. Intimacy. And it's more than physical. It's got to be more than hormones. That's a whole other sermon. I'll save that for another day, right? (laughs) Connection. Connection. It's got to be there. And the problem is that so often couples get busy and you get into this mindset of like, oh, like for Tiffany and I, it was completely unintentional. And so we had to be intentional the next several days to connect and spend time together. But the problem is a lot of couples say, oh, we'll get to it another day. We'll get to it tomorrow. We'll get to it when the kids are out of the house. And then couples wake up one day and their kids are out of the house and they're looking at each other and there's no intimacy because their entire life was based around their children and they don't know who each other is anymore. That's the danger, is that tomorrow becomes the next day and the next day and it builds on each other. Once in a while, Tiffany and I will go out to eat. We'll go to like a nice restaurant and we'll look and there's other couples sitting around us that are all dressed up, so clearly it was intentional. And they're meeting and they're... And they're they're eating, the one thing they're not doing is talking. I hope this isn't awkward, but we like watched a couple for like 10 or 12 minutes straight, never talked to each other, never looked at each other. And then some of this, of course. You're telling me that your neighbor's cat that's stuck in your tree is more important than your best friend in the world that's sitting two feet away from you? Where did the connection go? And we're looking at it as I, I, I don't want that. I, I've done a lot of weddings this summer. We just did, I just officiated a wedding yesterday, and it was so awesome. And what I love about weddings is because the groom, the, the, the men are just so pumped about pursuing their wife. This guy is just stoked. He got on the mic. He was just like rocking the mic like the MC of the whole party. He's like, hey, everybody, this is my wife, and she's awesome, and this is great, and I have the best life in the world, and I'm just so in love with her, and this is awesome. She's amazing. Wow, I want to tell the world. What happened between there and the dinner table? You lost the connection. And I just want to go over and grab these people and shake them and say, this isn't how it was supposed to be. This is the most loving, accepting, kind person that you know in the world, that you are in a covenant relationship where you accept people no matter what, so you have nothing to prove and nothing to fear, and you have nothing to say to them? This isn't the way it was supposed to be. You are supposed to have intimacy, and God says, exactly, same way with you and me. Same way with you and me. You were meant to be connected to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, remember when I touched the man's face and I looked him in the eyes? Like, just imagine him doing that to you this morning. Jesus says, that's what I want with you every day. Slow down. Stop for one second, Jesus says, and look me in the eyes and let me remind you of how much I love you. I want your full attention every day, not just on Sundays. Every day, look at me, Jesus says. Listen to me. Slow down. 
and be in a relationship with me. Talk to me as if I'm sitting across the dinner table from you. Listen to my voice. Jesus says, let's be done with this half-hearted, go-through-the-motions kind of faith. And let's be in a relationship every single day. So you might say, that's great, Pastor John, that's awesome, but how do I do that? Like, I want that, and some of you are saying, I do feel alone, I do feel stuck, I do feel disconnected, I do feel exhausted. What's the antidote for that? What does Jesus say? And go back to the old Testament. I love this, what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It's going to be up on the screen. I love this passage. Come back to it all the time. Let's read this together nice and loud. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. God's offering this to you. Just ask him for it. Don't try the latest, hippest, trendiest fad of the day. God says, go back, go back to the tried and true ways that people have connected with me for centuries. Not your own agenda. Go back to the basics of a relationship with me. What are those basics? How do we get reconnected? I want to highlight three things. Everybody say connect. Everybody say grow. Everybody say serve. Connect, grow, serve. Every week when you walk in this building and every week when you leave, there's banners on the wall right there. This is our call as a church. This is what we believe God's desire for us as disciples is and for us as a church, to connect, to grow, and to serve. That's how we get reconnected with Jesus if you're feeling disconnected from him today, no matter where you're at on your journey. And to help me with this, it's always good to have some props, to connect, grow, and serve. First thing is a lamp. And folks people. This is not just any lamp. This is a Dr. Pepper lamp. (laughs) Seriously, who has a Dr. Pepper lamp? This guy does right here. Speaking of my lovely bride that I love to be connected with, none other, the maker of this lamp, none other than the love of my life, Tiffany Annenson, in seventh grade shop class. (laughs) Probably the most romantic and manliest gift I've ever received. What do you know about lamps? For them to work, they need to be plugged in. They need to be connected. Every single one of you is a lamp that needs a power source. You need to be plugged in. And in light of this summer and in in light of my challenge to you, my challenge to you the next three months is to stay connected to the family of God. Not as a got to, but as a get to. You've heard of this phrase, can't miss television. It's the can't-miss event of the summer. You want to know the can't-miss event of the summer? It's right here every single week because Jesus is here and his power is here and he's saying, plug in. Apart from me, apart from the power source, you can't do anything. Even as amazing as a Dr. Pepper lamp is, you need to be plugged into my power, Jesus says. So connect with me. Everybody say connect. Everybody say grow. What is this? It's a, so I heard hosta. Yes, some gardeners out there. I ripped this off one of our hosta plants this morning. Sorry, honey. Um, what do you know about hosta plants? They grow like crazy. Are you? Are you growing these days? That's my challenge. Are you connecting, but are you growing? Some of you are going to get to the end of this summer, and you're going to be exhausted from all your trips and groups and social activities, some of you are going to need a vacation from your vacation. 
because you don't slow down and rest and let Jesus pour his life into you. Plants don't grow by being busy. They grow by being rooted and planted. So connect, but grow. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer this summer. And let Sundays be the icing on the cake. Grow. Everybody say connect. Everybody say grow. Last but not least, everybody say serve. I brought this shovel because it reminds me, and I'm just so thankful. You saw in the video this morning, but the hundreds of volunteers we've had out working in front of this building the last couple months, putting in this beautiful landscaping. Praise God for that. That is so awesome. So, yeah, praise God. It is beautiful. Thank you. For some people, that's their gift, and here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect to serve. It's Jesus' call on every single one of our lives. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, got down and washed the dirty, grimy feet of his disciples. And he said, you go do the same. You want to know the people in this congregation that have the most joy? It's the people that serve. The people that said, you know what? Joy is not found in judging and in analyzing faith. Joy is found in serving. It's getting your hands dirty and, and, and getting involved. In a little over a month, there's going to be a couple hundred stinky, slimy, loud, annoying kids that need Jesus. That have huge hearts that are waiting for people to give them a tangible look at what does God's love look like. Will you be those people? VBS is the party of the summer. Maybe today would be a great day to serve and get connected and volunteer for VBS. Maybe today is the day to connect on one of these teams, to go talk to these guys about the worship or production teams or all the behind the scenes. It takes over 50 team members for worship every single week. You want to meet people? You want to get connected? You want to find joy in your life? Get outside of yourself and stop consuming faith and start giving away. Be a giver. Bless. Say, who can I serve? How can I get involved? So everybody say connect. Everybody say grow. Everybody say serve. That's the route to getting connected to Jesus. Take a step of faith today. Before and after meeting Jesus, he'll change you from the inside out. I was thinking, like, how do I want to close this today? And I, was think, I, I come across these random movies sometimes, and I came across this one a few weeks ago, and I have not watched the whole thing, and, and please, I'm not recommending it. This is not a recommendation. The movie's called Love Actually, and, and there was just one scene in particular. I am not a, flan, a fan of chick flicks. I'm just going on the record. There's this one scene in particular that just grabbed me, and it just arrested me. They sent a camera crew to Heathrow Airport in London, and they filmed people, family, friends, spouses, connecting. Like being in, in love, experiencing connection. And as you watch this short clip, just take a deep breath, slow down, pause, and let God breathe his life into you and remind you, you were meant to be connected. Let's take a look. I don't think there's any of us that can say honestly that you don't want that. And I'm not talking about just marriage or romantic relationships. I'm talking about being connected to each other and to God. And if you hear me say nothing else today, hear this. I believe that love is actually all around you today. And when you connect to God's love, as the man did that day, things will never be the same. So let that day be today 
for you. Don't put it off another day. Get connected to his church. Get connected to each other and get connected to the God that created you. There's a lot of love in the room today. And it's for you. Open your heart up and receive it. Love is actually all around. Would you stand and pray with me? So God, we come before you today as people from all different walks of life, bringing all sorts of thoughts and feelings and emotions and concerns and worries in here today. God, whether we're on the mountaintop today or we're in the valley, we know that just like the deaf man that day, you come and meet us right where we are. Pray that there would be no one here today that doesn't feel that connection, that doesn't know your love for them. Jesus, thank you that you come to us. Even when we feel so disconnected from you, your signal never changes. You're calling out with your love and it's all around us today. And so we just pause, we slow down at the beginning of our week and just say, Jesus, Jesus, we want more of you. We don't want to settle for half-hearted religion. We want a genuine relationship with you every single day. And if we don't know where to start, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to take a step of faith today, to connect, to be here for worship, to connect with a life group, to grow, to be in your word and prayer daily, to serve, to get outside of ourselves. God, help us take that step of faith today. And fill us up with your love so much that we cannot help but invite. We cannot help but want to serve. We cannot help but bring people to you so that you can touch them in a powerful way. That we would pour out your love and that we would reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said together, amen. God bless you. Go get connected today. Come on up for prayer. We'll see you next week. God bless you.